Welcome to episode 165 of the Energy Talks podcast. I'm energy and climate journalist Markham Hislop. I'm going to be talking to David Maines, and he is one of the technical experts on a, on Saskatchewan strategic climate litigation that was that was filed on March 31st. Uh, climate Justice Saskatoon and seven Saskatchewan residents, age 15 to 80, filed an application at the Court of Queen, uh, King's Bench claiming that expanding gas-fired electricity generation violates their charter rights to life, security, a person, and equality. So welcome to the interview, David. Well, thank you, Markerman. It's good to be here. Well, I'm I'm very interested to do Saskatchewan stories. I'm an old Saskatchewan boy, born in Saskatoon, educated at the U of S, lived there for 26 years. And I remember Saskatchewan being mostly powered by coal. And I gather now that SAS power for uh, some time has been switching from primarily coal uh, to natural gas. Is that correct? The switch is, um, it's really in its early stages in that all the existing coal plants are still firing. Unlike Alberta, that's kind of charged ahead in shutting down the coal plants. Um, the, the energy mix is about... 40% coal, 40% uh, natural gas, but um, SAS Power and the other is a couple of privately held utilities uh, are planning to abide by the federal regulations that require all coal-fired uh, gas plants to be shut down by 2030. And they're going to do that. I, I would assume their plan is to uh, replace the the, the, the coal-fired electricity with natural gas-generated electricity. That's true. It's uh, basically, to summarize it, it is a coal to gas transition. Uh, they do have um, some wind farms um, here, not that much, and they're planning uh, uh, to add another 300 megawatts, I believe, in total wind capacity. But it's uh, mostly going to be um, in the current plan, fired by natural gas. Just to give our listeners some perspective, because you did bring up Alberta, and the there... Uh, the coal will be gone. I think it's either this. I think it's actually this year. This will be the last of the the coal fired uh, power stations will be in operation. Um, by 2030, they'll have 30% renewables, uh, some a little bit of hydro, but mostly wind and solar, and then the rest will be natural gas. And the plan there is Alberta is building a very large uh, carbon capture and sequestration infrastructure. So it already has one carbon pipeline. It'll have more. There are a number of sites that are being investigated now for sequestering the CO2 underground. And the idea is that any of those, those gas power plants will eventually have carbon cap capture equipment bolted to them, and then they'll they'll send their CO2 into the, the pipeline, uh, you know, into the system, and then it'll, it'll be buried underground and stored. My take is, and I correct me if I'm wrong, David, Saskatchewan just isn't thinking that far ahead. It, am I correct in that? That's, that is actually quite correct. Um, they have said we are considering what uh, Alberta is looking at in, in uh, retrofitting um, natural gas plants with uh, CCS. Um, it's, it's kind of a, a weird way to go about it. It uh, in that you know you're adding a lot of cost to do that after the fact of the build, 
uh, rather than uh, incorporating that in a new build. And in Saskatchewan, we've got, these are, uh, if you describe the fleet, it's um, very quickly, it's going to be a, uh, a modern, relatively new fleet of um, facilities uh, that have a, a life, uh, design lifespan that extends out to 2020, 2040 and beyond. Uh, and it's going to, if they go the uh, CCS route, I very much doubt it's going to be a place by 2035. Well, that's interesting. And, and the reason 2035 is important, of course, is that the federal government has set that date as the target for um, getting all fossil fuels out of the electricity system. Now, Canada right now, as it stands, is 60% hydro, 77% nuclear, and and then the rest, wind and solar, and a little bit of geothermal kind of brings us up to 82 to 85%, somewhere in there. Uh, so the government is, you know, another 12 years, and we we basically have to have a, a zero or net zero uh, electricity system. So how, you know, is, is there no discussion? I, I mean, I know, you know, Premier Scott Moe and the Saskatchewan party, his government, they're fight with the federal government all the time. And, you know, they're always in opposing this legislation or that legislation. But this seems pretty cut and dried. I mean, the Supreme Court has already ruled that the federal government has jurisdiction over greenhouse gas emissions. So if it sets a, a target and it sets regulations, you know, it's not like Saskatchewan can thumb its nose. I mean, it's the law of the land, right? So there can be consequences. And, and uh, is there no discussion in the province about, you know, how the federal, how the Saskatchewan can become net or its electricity system become can become net zero by 2035. There uh, it, it's, it's, it all seems very straightforward, uh, yet it's almost like outside of the borders, the reality of a 2035 uh, target date nationally. And I mean, it's not just Canada, it's the US, the uh, EU, the UK, everybody, uh, advanced economies are coming online with the recommendations of the IEA and the, I, uh, and the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change to hit 2035 to get clean electricity. And here it's just been kind of ignored. They're, they they say that uh, they want to hit a 50% cut in emissions by 2030. And that obviously just follows shutting down the, uh, the coal plants, replacing them with gas. And there's no 2035 ambitions at all. There's a vague discussion of mid-century getting to net zero. Uh, and what, what astounds me is that uh, the federal government's been pretty clear on this. As of 2035, the new clean electricity regulations are going to take over from existing regulations, and uh, that uh, even for existing uh, natural gas-fired uh, power plants, the full carbon pricing is going to be imposed on those emissions, and it's basically going to be uneconomic to run these power plants, um, and Saskatchewan just hasn't seemed to come to grips with this. Yeah, again, for listeners who aren't familiar with this, um, uh, Canada has a, a carbon tax, but the idea is that, and, and we have a consumer carbon tax and an industrial emitters carbon tax. So the idea is that because the federal government can impose it, it's kind of the backstop, but what it prefers to do is enter into equivalency agreements with provincial governments. So it's actually the, the uh, provincial government that administers it, collects the tax, does the rebates back to consumers, that sort of thing. That's their, their preference. Um, but so, how, oh, I, what, what I meant to say is I th just on January 1, uh, the uh, carbon tax went up to $60 a ton. It's going to go up $15 uh, every year 
from now to 2030 till it gets to $170 a ton. And so, David, the I understand the calculations are uh, that at $170 a ton, those those gas plants without unabated gas plants just won't be economic. Yeah, it, it basically it's going to double the cost of electricity. They're 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 just simply not economic. Uh, assuming that that $170 uh, consumer uh, carbon price is applied to emissions from, and that's the word. Um, the old regulations will end at the end of 2034, and immediately uh, full pricing will be applied to um, the emissions. What uh, I think there's a big game cha changer here, Markham, if you don't mind me just kind of jumping in here. And the federal government um, a few weeks ago released the, the budget and, you know, they said that up to $80 billion is going to be allocated for green infrastructure with a real focus on electricity, meaning building transmission corridors, east-west interprovincial transmission corridors, upgrading the grill, the grids. Uh, and this logically is a real game changer for Saskatchewan and Alberta in that uh, it's going to allow access to hydro uh, in BC and Manitoba. Uh, and when that happens, then it basically unlocks the immense potential for renewables that we have in uh, Saskatchewan and Alberta. Um, there's uh, one particular study I just read that says uh, uh, there's, there's almost no limit to how much wind you could put in southern Saskatchewan. Um, and the, uh, the Canada's clean en energy regulator under the net zero uh, pathway predicts that Saskatchewan should have six gigawatts of wind power, which is greater than the total capacity in place right now as of 2030, which is only seven years from now. Um, that requires the transmission infrastructures in place, but the government said, we're doing this. Um, and, you know, Saskatchewan Alberta could put a lot of renewables in at that point. Yeah, again, we need some context here. So the uh, British Columbia, which is to the west of, of Alberta, and Alberta is to the west of Saskatchewan, BC is uh, uh, fully uh, almost 100% hydro, so it's very clean. They've got th uh, 31, 32 hydro dams. Manitoba Hydro, uh, to the east of Saskatchewan, Manit I grew up there. My dad, in fact, worked for Manitoba Hydro, and I worked for Manitoba Hydro right after high school. And... Uh, they have a number of dams up in this big, powerful river uh, in the very north called the Nelson River. And uh, and so they export a tremendous amount of hydro. It's only the same population roughly as Saskatchewan. They've got lots of surplus hydro and they sell it down into Minnesota and, and other places. The things that we don't do are trade. We do lots of, lots of electricity trade north and south, very little trade east and west. And Alberta and Saskatchewan on the prairies have the best solar and and wind resources in all of Canada. And in Alberta, because it has an open access market, it has a wholesale market, whereas uh, Saskatchewan is controlled by a crown corporation, Alberta has added, well, last year they added a gigawatt of, of renewables capacity. This year they're going to add two gigawatts of renewable capacity. That's how they're going to get to 30%. And Saskatchewan has to rely on SAS power, which you know, is primarily a coal operating uh, utility and really doesn't sound like it's, uh, you know, it's 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 embracing the renewables uh, revolution. But the federal government has put money into east-west interties, and that's what it wants. Now, I understand, David, that the Saskatchewan actually has been talking to Manitoba about doing some of that. So the conversations going on? Yes, that was uh, prior to the federal government. I mean, they, they talked about... Uh, 
maybe importing about 8% or so of the total supply um, by 2030 uh, from Manitoba. Um, but this is this is a much bigger project, as you're aware. Uh, the, these transmission corridors right across the country that would, you know, link BC, Alberta, and Saskatchewan. And with a modernized grid, um, if there's an area where the wind isn't blowing, power flows into it. And if there's areas with excess wind, for instance, uh, production, power can flow out. Uh, reservoirs can accumulate hydro, and that can be used later. Um, this is the plan of the of the states, and uh, it uh, it is the what the federal government um, intends to see. And the money's gone into the Canadian Infrastructure uh, Bank um, and the uh, Canada Growth Fund to administer um, projects. And uh, publicly owned utilities and private companies can apply for this. Um, and you know, it's it's my hope that. Saskatchewan takes advantage of this as they should and does the right thing and works cooperatively for once with the federal government to, and, and this will be a you know, multi-provincial government, uh, federal government, private industry, indigenous uh, peoples, et cetera, working together to build this almost a nation building project uh, of transmission infrastructure. And that uh, really allows for um, a huge expansion of renewables in Western Canada. There's a political component to this because I know listeners, especially ones who aren't familiar with the politics around this, are sitting at home scratching their heads going, why Why was Saskatchewan not be embracing renewables when it has the best renewables resource in the country? This doesn't make any sense whatsoever, and especially because it's next door to one of the biggest hydro producers in Canada. That doesn't make sense either. Well, folks, welcome to Saskatchewan politics because what, hap what has happened is that the Saskatchewan party, which is a, was a, is a conservative party and, and was governed very conservatively for, for many years. And then as sort of the right-wing populism that grew in the U.S. under Trump and then, and then kind of caught fire in Canada over the last three or four years, well, the Saskatchewan party embraced that with open arms. And one of the things that they've done, part of that populist approach they're taking is to fight with the federal government at every opportunity. It's just, it doesn't matter what the federal government does. I mean, if the federal government got out and helped a little old lady across the street, the Saskatchewan government would find some reason to criticize. Why didn't you help our little old lady across the street? I don't know what it would be, but it would be something ridiculous like that. And so you can see them resisting some of these policies, not because they're bad policies, not because they wouldn't benefit Saskatchewan, it's just because it's to their political benefit to keep this ongoing pot boiling in the against with the federal government. And it's just, it's silly. And I think, David, that the only way around, you know, to get across, when you get a political logjam like this, it's usually money that, 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 that yeah. you know, fixes it. And, and I think, I suspect that by 2030, if, if there's a lot, you know, if this planned natural gas uh, expansion goes forward and they're paying $170 a ton. And by the way, we should make the point, that's $170 in 2030. The federal government has, hasn't said whether or not it'll go higher after 2030. It may very well. It could be 200 bucks or $250 by 2035. So if it's already, if Saskatchewan gas plants would be uneconomic at $170 a ton for a carbon price, then how much more un uneconomic would they be at a higher price? So there we go. Now, have I got, have I kind of got the politics right? It's been a little while since I've lived in Saskatchewan, but yeah, about, you know, 
yeah, you know, Markham, um, you do. <laughs> I, I, I said I wasn't I wasn't going to delve too much into you know, this boiling pot of political controversy, um, but uh, that summarizes it uh, quite nicely. There, there is a caveat here, though. Um, prior to the, the federal budget announcement, um, I mean, what people have to realize is we've got isolated grids in Canada. You know, sure. in, in Saskatchewan, um, there's not that much interconnectivity, a little bit to Man Manitoba, uh, and everything is regulated within the province. Um, and in the absence of access to hydropower, um, there wasn't that much in the way of options. Large, large nuclear doesn't really fit here. The, po the population isn't big enough. And so the provincial government did have uh, a case to be made uh, in expressing concerns over uh, a rapid transition to zero power by 2035 in the absence of um, uh, an obvious uh, supplier of baseload electricity and dispersible electricity that could only get to about, in theory, maybe 30% uh, grid penetration by, um, by, by wind and solar under those conditions, but it's all changed now if you modernize and expand the grid and put these transmission corridors in place. We can build a huge excess of wind and export it. Um, so the, that, that argument doesn't apply anymore, but it did uh, in the absence of a federal commitment. Okay, fair. <laughs> fair enough. I'm not sure even the presence of a federal commitment is going to change the political calculations in Regina much. But nevertheless, nevertheless, okay, that, that's a good caveat. And I'm glad you brought you brought that up. Okay, now we've we spent the last 15 minutes, uh, David, setting the context for the uh, for the lawsuit. Uh, now tell me how this lawsuit uh, fits into that. Uh, well, basically, there was a group of people, uh, individual Saskatchewan citizens, who um, just sort of came to the conclusion that uh, nobody uh, was paying uh, any, any. Uh, this isn't quite the right, right word, but that um, the federal, the provincial government, rather, was uh, working with SAS Power as a, as a publicly held crowd utility and uh, we're working in isolation from the rest of the world almost in decarbonizing. And uh, they had to shut down the coal plants and they were taking a route the old way out of just replacing coal with, with unabated natural gas plants. And we've got the highest intensity of emissions almost on earth. It's something like 66 tons per person. Um, it's just a, and there's no climate action plan here whatsoever. Um, and something had to be done. So something had to be done um, aggressively and loudly. And 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 the, the legal route was the the way that uh, um, this group of citizens from Saskatchewan um, decided to approach the problem. What exactly is it that they're asking for? Like, what's the remedy here? Are they asking the judge to order SAS Power to bring in more renewables, uh, to not build the... Uh, the gas power plants. Uh, what what is it that they're actually yeah. you know, asking the court to to do? Quite uh, quite it's quite straightforward. No more new build unabated uh, gas power plants, and the plant that's under construction um, uh, just outside of Moose Jaw um, will is to cease um, construction. Uh, and the the second demand is that. Um, SAS power, and it comes up with a plan 
to arrive at net zero emissions by 2035 uh, and to align itself with the country. Um, if, if Saskatchewan doesn't, the country doesn't get to net zero uh, electricity uh, sector generations by 2035. So they're going to hold back uh, the entire country's ambitions um, and frankly, uh, work against what uh, um, people in um, BC and uh, Quebec and other uh, places that are, you know, uh, that have decarbonized are trying to accomplish. You know, I can almost see the federal government intervening in this in this uh, lawsuit, you know, on the side of the applicants, uh, because, you know, it, I mean, it's it's the applicants are saying we basically want you to hit Canada's climate targets and we want you to. And the federal government has has the has two pieces of legislation that it can use. It can have both regulation and carbon pricing are the tools uh, in that legislation that it that it can use to decarbonize electricity in in Saskatchewan if it chooses to, and it'll be interesting to see if the federal the, the, the federal government's political calculations around this. They they might say, you know what, we don't want to inflame things anymore. We're not going to get into this. We'll just let this play out. You know, it's it's in the Saskatchewan courts. Let it let it go. Or they might say, you know what. We can make a statement here. We we can uh, we can indicate intent, and we can we can indicate to the judge uh, that this is this is Canada sees this suit as being in the public interest, and and I think that they might do that because there's no they're not getting any. Saskatchewan will never uh, elect another non-conservative uh, MP in the foreseeable future. It's not like the Liberals. Are going to get a lot of you know seats yeah. in the next in the 2025 election so they haven't got a lot to lose and it'll any betting on on the, how the the federal government is going to do its political calculations around this and whether it will or won't intervene wow <laughs> that wow that 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 goes over um my head <laughs> but but what I, what i will say is i was anticipating uh, the mother of all political battles over electricity uh, jurisdictional rights between Saskatchewan and uh, the federal government. And then the budget came out and the budget said, hey, guess what? We realize that you guys are going to have an unfair burden of cost in Alberta and Saskatchewan um, because you know, like in Ontario, they don't really have to spend that much to get the net zero. BC you don't have to spend anything. Uh, and here is the money to make this happen. Um, you can apply for, for projects that are eligible under here, under here and utilize uh, this federal commitment to make this happen. And now Saskatchewan, I mean, what are they going to say? Oh, no, we don't want uh, we don't want economic growth in Saskatchewan. We would rather fight the uh, fight with Ottawa at all at all costs, even to the detriment of the economy of this province. And I, I it's hard <laughs> it, it just boggles the mind that that may be the outcome but it could happen it could happen that it's still a political fight um for a cause that has nothing to do with the um the the economic benefit and well-being of the province well i you know the the, the saskatchewan government has picked fights with the federal government over sillier things you know in the in the last few years so yeah don't rule it out we're not going to rule it out, but so we'll see. We'll see how the uh, the judge responds to this. Uh, if if the application was filed on March thirty first, any idea of when it's expected to uh, to be heard? 
it's uh, I was told it's going to be a long process. Uh, and, you know, one of the things that uh, the, the group wants to accomplish um, is to educate the public and get people aware of, um, you know, how serious this issue is and that there are alternatives for Saskatchewan to be part of a, a clean energy future here. We've got uh, huge resources, um, and even beyond um, the, the potential of, of wind and solar, um, the uh, geological capacity for carbon storage underneath uh, Saskatchewan and Alberta is some of the finest in the world. Um, you've got, I mean, it's stable, vast, uh, easy to inject captured CO2 in, into those geological formations. Um, biomass with um, carbon capture and storage is a potential negative emissions way to make electricity. Uh, there, there's other things that can be done here rather than just build, um, frankly, polluting natural gas power plants. And uh, I, I'm hoping that um, the, the public uh, becomes more aware through this lawsuit uh, that uh, Saskatchewan is actually has a lot of resources and a lot of potential in a clean energy future, as does Alberta. Well, let me put in a plug then for any Saskatchewanians who are, are listening. Um, I do about four or 500 expert interviews a year, and uh, probably half of them are outside of Canada. So mostly U.S. and Europe with some Asia Pacific uh, experts. And I also, you know, I, I talk to, you know, CEOs, startups, uh, people who are looking to locate pl uh, plants like battery plants. And quite often we get into a conversation with the role of, of uh, zero emission electricity. And I'm told over and over again that the number one criteria criterion when you're when you're looking to site a plant is access to abundant, reliable, clean electricity. And I I have. I often say in these uh, in the podcast that the the clean electricity, uh, clean abundant, reasonably cost electricity is the foundation of the 21st century economy, and so any economy that wants to attract capital, that wants and I get, let, let's use the Saskatchewan example. Saskatchewan has lithium. Saskatchewan has uranium. Saskatchewan has different kinds of, of minerals that might be of use in, you know, like battery plants. And more and more companies are are saying, what's the emissions intensity of your mineral? So if you're using diesel engines and you're using, you know, dirty electricity from coal plants or gas plants, you know, all those kinds of things, you stand at a competitive disadvantage. And and Saskatchewan, if it wants to compete in in the coming clean, you know, the, the way the economy is is fast and changing so quickly globally, if it wants to compete, then it is then electricity, clean electricity is like table stakes. Yeah. You have to have it to play in the game. And and so that message I'm pretty darn sure is not being communicated in Saskatchewan. And really should be, uh, because it's going to find itself hobbled uh, down the road uh, if it doesn't get the message and change, you know, the 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 makeup of, uh, of its uh, power grid. So, anyway, any uh, we've covered a lot of ground in this interview, David. Any final thoughts? Uh, no, it was an uh, excellent conversation, excellent exchange, and. Uh... Thanks for covering the politics part of it more than I did. <laughs> <laughs> thought I'd I thought I'd let you off the look. Uh, I mean, if you if, 
anybody who's listening, if you want to, you know, follow me on Twitter at, at political ham, uh, and you you'll understand the why I'm I'm quite happy to to take on the the politics of this, uh, because the policy is important. You can't do policy without good without the the, the political creating the political space for it, and that means you have you can't shy away from politics in this area. Uh, you can't be you know pure and just sit back and stay out of the political arena. You have to be engaged and make the argument. And so uh, I'm happy to do that wherever I can. But David, thank you very much for this. Uh, we'll be in, we'll follow this uh, lawsuit with uh, great interest and see where it goes. Thank you very much for your insights. Yeah, good. One quick uh, uh, sort of if people are looking for more in information, you can Google Saskatchewan Coalition for Sustainable Development. And there's a lot of technical information on the on what we're doing here. Excellent. Thank you very much. Okay, thanks and Martin.